there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me, as ever, is mine Freund Josh. Guten Tag. Guten Tag, Guten Tag. Can only mean one thing. We are back in Deutschland after a brief foray into the Netherlands in our Euro Rush trip report series. And we're here to talk about Fantasia Land. Part one of two, Josh. It's such a it was such a big thing park, such a big monumental occasion so far as the Euro Rush trip went, because it was the only occasion in which we actually stayed on site in a thing park, which is which was pretty cool. And whilst not the first time I have stayed in a sort of thing park resort, I guess it was the first time that I've literally stayed on site in a theme park. Uh yes. Uh... We have both stayed at Disneyland Paris, but this was... I don't think you could get closer to on-site if you tried with this th- uh, theme park hotel. No, there is no more on-site you can get than that. So we're going to focus part one of the Fantasyland trip report on the experience of staying on-site. So the hotel, the food, and the ride. Yes, the ride. So <laughs> we stayed at the Hotel Charles Lindbergh, which is located in the relatively new Rookberg area of Fantasyland. And within Rookberg, you've not just got this hotel, you've also got a roller coaster, various places to eat and drink and be merry as well. So we're going to kind of treat Rookberg as its own little thing and do an episode purely about that and then concentrate on the rest of Fantasyland in next week's episode. And we'll start with the arrival at the Hotel Charles Lindbergh. And I guess the excitement started, Josh, quite a bit in advance of this, because when you book this up, they're kind of in character right from the off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've actually got got the first in-character email here. Uh, It reads... Dear Mr. Lawrence, may I introduce myself? Lieutenant Gustav Meyerhopper, my name. As Honorary Chairman of the Explorer Society of the Hotel Charles Lindbergh, I am extremely pleased to welcome you to our exclusive circle in just 14 days. Oh boy. And it's a pretty it's a pretty grand sort of arrival experience that you have. So we parked up in the main Fantasyland car park, which is just off the street, really. I mean, unlike a lot of the bigger thing parks anywhere in the world, really, which do feel a little bit kind of set back from the rest of society, if you like. They've all kind of got what feels like their their own big dedicated space where you kind of feel completely disconnected from the outside world. Whilst that is the case once you are within the walls of Fantasyland, when you're going up to the walls of Fantasyland, you're just crossing the road. Yes. Uh, the, the, the entrance, the kind of the main entrance, kind of just looks like a bus stop. I mean, it, it's it's quite a bizarre and surreal way to to come up upon a, a major theme park, yeah. I found. And you wouldn't know that you were approaching a theme park at all. Uh, but... We rocked up to the main entrance of the Hotel Charles Lindbergh, which is one of a few hotels to actually 
basically, yeah, within the theme park, each one positioned in a different land and themed appropriately. But as obviously we'll just focus on the one that we went to. You buzz in, you get let into these big grand doors. Yeah. And you head on through and the theming, Josh, is absolutely on point from the start. Yeah, really. absolutely. Um, I feel like, you know, even you, you go up to the door and the door doesn't open, you have to buzz in and then they, they're like, oh, what's your name? Are you on the list? If you're not on the list, you're not coming in. It sort of opens into a sort of uh, aeronautical uh, check-in area, as it were, almost like an aeronautic airport. And the staff are well in character, very helpful as well throughout the check-in Absolutely. process. It's decorated brilliantly. There are complimentary jars of sweets in the main reception, which were delightful, by the way. Mm-hmm. And we'll come back to those because you can buy them. Uh, and they were excellent, sort of various uh, flavours of, of extremely sweet fudge, which I think slowly melted at least a few of my teeth over the course of the two days. But it was worth it, I would say. For sure. And... We were not able to check into our rooms immediately, but I think it makes sense to talk about the rooms first. So they're pretty small. They're done up kind of like aero cabins, I guess you could say. Yep. Uh, like you might find them on a on an old-fashioned blimp or something like that. And and they're very small. In our case, it was only two beds. Yeah, they're sort and of I the size of, uh, I'm thinking like a traditional traveller a wood uh, caravan, almost like you'd see in either the Peaky Blinders or maybe the uh, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes films when he he was the Travellers. It's that sort of uh, oak barrel-shaped caravan uh, that's quite small. Uh, It's that sort of size, if you think in your head. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, the best way to get a sense for it really is to watch the vlog on the channel links to to both fantasia land vlogs are of course in the show notes and links as well to both twitter threads from the days at fantasia land and both of those as well have some hotel and rookberg uh, videos and photos in them so definitely worth having a look but i mean what's truly amazing about all these rooms is that obviously because they're quite small they are able to pack a lot of them in there there are multiple floors as well mm. but as you walk Uh, along the corridors uh, between each of the rooms, you are, other than uh, fencing to separate you, you are in Rookberg, essentially. And you can see the land out in front of you. You can hear the roar of Fly, the, of course, flying roller coaster. And more significantly than that, the track at times gets right up close to that fencing that separates you from the walkways connecting all the rooms to the outside land and it's kind of astonishing i have quite literally never seen anything quite like it and probably never will again unless i go back to this specific hotel it's it's truly incredible you know you you're walking around the place you know you're either walking to your room or walking from your room or walking down the walkway to get into the park and all of a sudden just it flies past you know as it goes past you um the screaming uh, of the excited guests on the ride, it's it's an experience I don't think I'll ever fe- you know feel again unless, like you say, you go I go back. Yeah, I think the craziest part was 
when you're in the room and you go through to the back through to the bathroom which is is obviously very small as well but there's a little uh, circular window back there which you can just pop open and stick your head out and there was a point where we did just that and the roller coaster literally whizzed by right at that exact moment and like i say the only way really to fully appreciate how you know frankly what an extraordinary feat of engineering this all is by the way just to to fit it all into this space and whilst yes we've said these rooms are small I, I think overall given quite how much they have managed to squeeze in it doesn't feel super cramped and they do not compromise in any way on the theming on the steampunk aesthetic like the attention to detail is absolutely extraordinary and I would thoroughly recommend as I say going and watching the vlogs and the videos in the Twitter feeds because you know, unless, of course, you can get there yourself. Uh, us just talking about it doesn't do it justice. You really need to see it in action, in video form. The one thing I would say maybe about the room is that if you're a larger gent, I think I was probably at the limit of how big you want to be for the bed in there. Uh, <laughs> right. Any any bigger than me, and if you if you want a comparison, yeah, go, to, go see the vlogs. Maybe you can see how big I am. Uh, then you might struggle to get comfortable in these beds if you're bigger than that. Um, mm. That's just just the one thing I would say. If you want a bigger bed, maybe look at one of the other hotels, maybe the Africa Hotel or maybe the China Hotel, uh, which have more traditional beds in them. Yeah, yeah. And like I say, the staff in the reception uh, were fantastic. They were, they were very in character. They're extremely polite, treated you very well. And that permeates the entire experience of being in Rookburg. Obviously, you have um, passes that allow you to pass between the land where obviously all the theme park guests can go and the hotel where obviously you can only go if you're if you're staying on site. And they treat you very well. They treat you like royalty. You're considered a member of the of the Explorers Society. So, you know, very well to do and and treated appropriately uh, that's for that's for damn sure and that goes through the whole experience of being in the land so included with the hotel admission obviously you get park admission but you also get food and drink included to an extent as well and we'll get on to that but i think it would probably make sense to maybe end on that as as on both days, actually, we kind of ended our experience of, of Rookburg and Fantasialand as a whole by eating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the thing that Rookburg has going for it is that no matter, f no matter which angle you approach it from, it, it looks incredible. And it's kind of in the same way that, you know, when you open, I think the most obvious comparison for me certainly for one of the entrances, but I think it kind of appeals for all of them. The most obvious comparison is that moment you go into Diagon Alley for the first time at Universal Studios in Florida. Mm. And it's just mind-blowing. The way it opens up, the sense of space, the sense of being in this fantastical location, it's, it's truly extraordinary. It's brilliantly done. And Rookberg manages that as well. And in some ways, it's all the more impressive because, of course, it's not themed to a specific franchise or or property or setting that that you might have grown up with that you might know 
intimately well. Like, obviously, everyone has seen this kind of steampunk aesthetic before, but they do still have to kind of make their own way with it. Uh, and so to be able to create such a cohesive sense of place is is really impressive. But you obviously have the entrance from street level, which we talked about when you go in off the street into the hotel. You then, I suppose, have the experience of walking down from the hotel into the land and the way it opens up in that way. Once you kind of walk down the stairs from those walkways we talked about down to ground level and then you're in and amongst all the action and then you have the way you come in from the rest of the theme park so we had this experience obviously when we left Rookbow to go elsewhere and then came back in this is the closest this is the most evocative it is of that diagonally uh, experience where you walk through this kind of narrow uh, alley <laughs> and it then opens up into Rookberg and you see the fly roller coaster up in front of you and steam puffing into the air and fantastic soundtrack as well probably the best soundtrack at any theme park on this trip was rookberg yeah i just thought all that stuff was was absolutely amazing and sort of best in class for any of the parks that we did on this trip i would say yeah it was truly up there with the best really um that entrance as you come through the tunnel and you've got fly in front of you and and the steam of the uh, industrial uh theming going on and the you know the blimps and the hot air balloons in the background it's just you know such a great uh vibrant you know expression of um action going on in front of you it's it's it really everyone it caught everyone by surprise and everyone's there like oh my god and taking videos and photos just to try and capture the experience that they were seeing yeah yeah, it's much in the same way as Diagon Alley. I hate to keep going back to it, but it's everyone's reaching for their phones pretty quickly as soon as they kind of realise what they're stepping out into, especially from that sort of that narrow alley from from the main thing park. Yeah, uh, the way it opens up. I mean, it's impossible not to reach for your phone and immediately start kind of taking pictures and and stuff like that. Just the sense of depth is is pretty incredible it's very easy to take some very good looking photos in Rookberg especially at that sort of main entrance and because it is quite compact though uh, the roller coaster really sort of dominates and uh, whilst it is very impressive how intricately it kind of sweeps around the land it, you can almost see it from anywhere and no matter where you are at any moment whether you're sat on the loo in your hotel with the window open or sat in the bar or just wandering around soaking it up there's a fair chance the roller coaster might fly past pretty close yeah and it just gives the whole land this pretty amazing sense of sort of kinetic energy i mean i can't quite think of anything else quite like it that I've done. Like, obviously there are areas of different theme parks where they have that sense of energy, but it's then quite easy to walk off to another part of the land and and you kind of lose that. Whereas in this, I mean, the the land and the roller coaster are almost one in the same. And, you know, on the one hand it's, well, yeah, it's because it's a small land, but I also just think it's because of the way it's been designed like it's quite vertical 
uh, that, like I say, no matter where you are, you never you never lose sense of that roller coaster. It's it's kind of always there, like an omnipresent an omnipresent feature of the land, and it, it just makes the whole place feel very lively and exciting all the time. Yeah, which is, which is sure. great. Yeah, uh, and just I, I guess the enjoyment of it from all of the guests adds to that as well. Like all the you know kids running around or parents just pointing out the roller coaster from different angles and you know different interesting quirks that they they notice like because uh, there's like pits uh, down below as well which you know because it's like this industrial uh, site sort of theming um, or maybe the train that's blowing steam or the hot air balloons or the, the blimps like I say uh, there's just so much going on both with the with the coaster and, and interacting with things around the land that uh, people are, you know, everywhere you turn, there's a kind of new way that it's interacting with something. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so cohesive as well. Like, it feels quite self-contained in that same way that Diagon Alley does. Like, you know, I love, I love Universal, I love Islands of Adventure, but, you know, some of those older lands, the kind of immersion is slightly compromised at times. Like, you look around a corner and, you might be reminded you'll see something that reminds you oh yeah i'm in a theme park like it's like it just breaks the illusion and sometimes it's quite small things but with rookberg you never really get a sense of that like you completely forget that you're even in a a, a bigger theme park like a wider theme park with way more to do as we'll yeah. get to next week you know let alone the fact that you know you forget that you're um that you're in sort of a real place like it, it, it it's really effective in the way it kind of transports you and immerses you into into its world and and it helps of course that fly is kind of a doozy of a roller coaster as well uh you know i have only done two other flying coasters uh, one being manta at SeaWorld in orlando the other being air at Alton towers really like both for different reasons manta being my favorite but fly stood out because it's a launched flying coaster which really means that more than either of the other two i'd done it it kind of it kind of got that flying sensation absolutely spot on like especially during those launch moments you you just kind of feel like superman it's it's a pretty amazing sensation, but uh, I think I'm right in saying, Josh, that this was your favourite coaster at the park and you particularly like kind of the unique sort of boarding setup and how, well, how quite literally your sort of seating position changes after the coaster leaves the station, which is, again, something I hadn't seen before. Yeah, definitely uh, my favourite coaster at the park and my favorite flying coaster as well um obviously i've only been on the three that you mentioned um but yeah definitely my favorite of those as well and like you say it's a completely unique uh i think it's unique anyway i haven't seen it anywhere else uh boarding experience usually uh you know all of the seats are facing forward the way the the train leaves the station and you kind of go in you sit down uh and before it leaves the station it uh pulls back uh the chef kind of folds backwards so that you're then 
laying down. However, with this one, you, you start uh, with the coaster and all of the chairs facing outwards to where the queue area is, uh, and you board uh, sitting down, and then it leaves the station with you still sitting down, uh, and you go for a little bit of a story element as you go up a lift hill and go through, you know, mm. going through all of these different ways of this guy trying to learn how to basically build a flying contraption. And then just as you get to the top of the lift hill, it the track turns so that it's uh, above you. And at the same time, the uh, seats turn so that you are now laying down as you would on a traditional flying coaster. Uh, and it's such, I, I think it's such a far better experience uh, than any than the other two flying coasters that I've been on, you know, in terms of loading. And uh, just because of that, uh, it just feels like, you know, because a lot of the time when you load in those traditional styles, you get flipped up and then you're still waiting around for it to leave the station. Whereas because it's not, you don't flip into the laying down position until uh, the ride has already started. You don't have to sit there and wait uh, in an awkward laying down position for so long. So much more comfortable. (laughs) I don't think I ever feel more vulnerable at a theme park than I do when I'm on a flying coaster and it puts you, you you change from the sitting position into the flying position, but are still hanging there in the loading station. Like, I don't know what it is, but I just feel so exposed and... yeah. And, and vulnerable and awkward, like, ah, stop looking at me. <laughs> you're like I feel a, like such a fool. You're like a fly stuck on some fly paper. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, we finally found the correct uh, setup for a, a Breaking Bad roller coaster, perhaps. But no, I agree <laughs> with you. I really like the setup to this. And it, like you say as well, the fact that it, it doesn't, uh, change the positioning until you know uh, i don't know maybe 20 30 seconds into the ride experience does mean that yeah it can do a little bit of storytelling at the front and make sure that you you have eyes on uh on those scenes yeah uh, and then yeah if it, it flips you into position ready for for things really to kick off and and you obviously go into that first launch from there and i mean the track from there as i've already said like it's it it's a it it doesn't feel like a short ride like i do think you get bang for your buck it's but it's it's just so compact of course because of the relatively small space that it's in mm. and like i've said about the land overall i mean it's just an incredible feat of engineering uh, you know there are so many as you would expect near misses as well which really add to the sense of excitement like there are multiple points where you feel like you're going to be heading straight for the ground or the side of the hotel or another part of the roller coaster track or some other building in the land. Like it's, it's so hard to get a sense of where the track's going next because so long as you're facing forward, you're almost always looking straight at something that you look like you could collide with at any moment. It's, uh, it's just really, really exciting and it's got multiple launches as well. So it doesn't ever really lose momentum. Hmm. And it's just one of those rides where, again, um, you know, much as is the case when people enter the land for the first time, people are just kind of smiling and laughing and can't quite believe what they've just seen and experienced. Like 
it is so so well done and uh yeah, i mean the land as a whole but this ride for sure is kind of the closest i think anything on this trip got to i guess what i would consider like the the really really premier themed coaster experiences that you know people who are very used to some of the u.s parks certainly yeah. ones you'd find in florida and california and then probably as well people who've been over to the parks in japan and china it's kind of that standard i think the only thing it's missing and it's not really uh so much something it's missing for me you know it wasn't a drawback a drawback in any way is of course that it's not attached to a specific property that you might love like it is trying to do its its own thing relatively speaking but the standard it does it to like i say is right up there with the best sort of themed coasters that i've ever done yeah and i think if you're like a, a coaster junkie a thing park junkie like fantasia land is is kind of a bucket list park for for multiple reasons but i think for for rookberg and this ride in particular like it's it's truly sort of world-class stuff i think yeah and it currently holds the record for the longest flying coaster in the world so mm. which is incredible oh, that, for such that... a small space yeah yeah i mean that would explain why it feels you know like a good length yeah. uh, because it is but again, you wouldn't think it. Like you look at something like Manta, obviously, and and that you look at it from the outside and you think, oh, this is a big roller coaster and a and a long roller coaster, and, and it is. Don't get me wrong, but you you wouldn't think that looking at Fly, and and again, it just speaks to how incredibly well they've done to to design it with that space in mind. Yeah, it's for sure. uh, it's real good stuff. And it's I think real good stuff. There's some elements as well that um, you know, in the queue area, there's a bit that's a bit like going through security at an airport you have to go through a metal detector um mm. and they and they wand you down and everything if you if it goes off um there are uh lockers but they give you uh digital wristbands so that you can unlock lock them and unlock them with the wristband um, and it has a similar setup to i guess like a velocicoaster right so you load yeah. you can open them from one side and then you open them from the opposite side once you get off the ride um and that exactly that flows really really well um although i think did you have an issue at one point with that like it didn't i did have an yeah i did have an issue with my wristband on one occasion i mean it wasn't the end of the world i i kind of uh it was one of those one of those times understandably so because everyone's had one of these experiences where some moron just can't work out the technology and i think that the attendant i went to for help absolutely thought that was the case initially and and just grabbed the wristband off me and tapped it multiple times thinking this stupid Englishman simply yeah. doesn't understand. But no, it was actually having some problems and they kind of had to do something on their little monitor thing and and, and unlock it that way. But other than that, yeah, like, you know, I think generally speaking, the setup's good, it's smooth. Like the queue, as you would expect, can get quite long because it's, it's the marquee ride at the park. But... I would say it never got quite as long as I would have expected. You can tell they expect it to get long at times because that's a fair old walk yes. uh, from the entrance of the queue to the ride. You are, you are, even if it was, even if there was literally nobody else queuing to get on, it's taking you five minutes, I'd say, maybe, mm. a, maybe a, a hair more to just walk the length of the queue line. Like it's, uh, it's extensive, but it's nicely yeah, themed. Sure. It's, yeah, very it's well themed. Stuff. Got um, the Charles Lindbergh's office 
where he, he was mm. designing the ride. Uh, well, fictionally, that is. Um, yes, yeah, it's, oh, it's all well real, done. Josh. It's all real. It's, it's all, all real. All real. Yeah. Uh, there Let's is a fast. The there illusion. is a fast pass that is exclusive to the theme to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, is it twice a day? Once a day. Once a day. Yeah. Um, You're right. Yes, it was. We, I think we did the ride twice a day. Yeah, one queuing with the rabble. Yeah, and uh, one with our flash, our flash cards. Yes, um, they get you through really quick, actually. So. Uh... Yes. Yeah, it was a nice perk. I mean, like I say, the queue, the standard queue, never got so long or as long as I would have expected. I, I think we could, I think we could have done it twice via the normal queue if we'd if we'd chosen to do so but it was nice to have it was nice to know that you had that kind of insurance of, yeah. of being able to basically walk on and yeah, it did 100%. mean that we were able to do it at the front on one occasion which was fantastic yeah and you know when we were there cologne the local city uh all the kids were on school holiday so it was a busy time of year for the park yeah yeah, as we'll get to next week, some of the queue times did get quite long. But again, the the fly one never got quite as bad as, as one might have expected going in. Mm. So uh, not quite sure why that is, whether it was just a quirk of, of the days we were there or, or what. But, uh, it, you know, I, I would not hesitate to queue as long as needed if it was my first visit. It's uh, It's really, really good. For sure. And as I say, we did that a couple of times a day. I mean, the last thing to speak about, really, when it comes to Rookberg, I mean, again, I will say, I've already said the music in the land overall is great. The music specifically on Fly, which, uh, you know, I would have I would have faded a little bit into the background as we talked about it. So you would you'll already know it's good. But I just want it on the record that I also think it's uh, it's really good. <laughs> It's it's up there so far as sort of theme park soundtrack stuff. I mean, a lot of it these days, of course, is just ripped from various films and, and TV, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, this is, of course, completely original and um, it's, it's extremely well done. For sure. And, you know, this has been a positively glowing assessment of Rookberg so far. You know, very little in terms of negatives to discuss Maybe the room's a bit small if you're a giant, but if you're a midget like me, no complaints. Yeah. Bed, bed was too big. Yeah. To be honest. It's understandable. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was fine. And, and it's going to continue, Josh, I'm afraid, because I, I thought the food was, was pretty good here too. It was really well And good, yeah. we indulged in, you know, a fair bit of it. As I say, the fudge, uh, outstanding. And even if you're not staying in the hotel, you can get some because if you visit Emily's Schokoladen und Candywerkstatt, yes, uh, as a sort of chocolate and sweet shop, I think we both indulged in there. I bought a lot of the fudge that uh, I keep mentioning to bring home. Yeah. Uh, you, what did you get in there? I some got, pick and mix. I got some stuff? candy. We've got some candy, a uh, good selection of candy, and mm. I, you were pretty happy with it. Yes. And uh, there were also chocolate pizzas, and they look good. Some others, handmade creations, a little bit pricey, if I see, seem to recall, but you know the quality couldn't really be questioned. 
it was very good it was all you know, a lot of the chocolate as i say was handmade on site fresh each day so good quality uh, i guess the only thing you have to be concerned about if as we were there in the summer it could get pretty hot so something to buy at the end of the day rather than at the start yeah for uh, sure we we also this was on the second day for dinner we nipped into zoom curler shipper which is a sandwich stand essentially and i've got to be honest with you you know i had no reason to believe this would be anything other than than perfectly good you know the standard of food not just in rookburg that we'd had up until now but in other parts of fantasia land had been good yeah uh, but but these sandwiches were really good josh they were, they, were, they were far better than they had any right to be i would say yeah I would say so. Again, sort of freshly made in front of you. Uh, I had a satisfyingly, beautifully greasy cheese and egg sandwich. Yeah. Uh, beautifully, beautifully cooked egg, perfectly melted cheese, uh, nice garnish as well, and uh, the bread was very good as well. Uh, no complaints. It was exactly what I needed after a long day. And I very much enjoyed. Do you remember which which one you had? I had the chicken and craft sandwich. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, good good one for you too? Yeah, I very much enjoyed it. Um, bread was very nice. Uh, chicken with the craft sauce, very, very good. Uh, yeah, surprisingly good way to end the second day as it was for us. Yeah, and you know it's it's not real. It's not a sit down location. It is just a sort of sandwich stand. There are some sort of stand up tables, uh, done up kind of like uh, steampunk barrels, if yep. I remember correctly. And again, though, I mean, you're just kind of standing there having your nice sandwich, soaking up the atmosphere because invariably, you know, there's a roller coaster flying by you a couple of times every few minutes. Uh, this steam pumping up into the into the air from the vents on the ground, or uh, you know, from from various other uh, points on the buildings around you. I mean, the atmosphere is just great. I mean, it really is a place that you know, unless you are really averse to, I guess you would say, pretty relentless noise, especially during the busier parts of the day. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just a really great place to be i i love i loved the atmosphere in in rookburg throughout um yeah same just just really good stuff uh, and then as a result of us staying on site of course we also got to enjoy a couple of meals in urwerk uh, which is kind of the marquee restaurant in rookburg yep uh, I believe there is scope to go in here if you're not staying on site. Is that correct? But the opening hours are a bit limited because they do kind of open it a bit later because it's where the guests, hotel guests have breakfast and then they also close it a bit early because it's where the hotel guests have dinner. But you can go in as a as, as a as a part of the rabble. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So it um, opens for lunch and then uh, kind of later into the day and then closes a bit before park closes um, and that's so it can like you say be used for breakfast for the hotel guests and then for dinner for the hotel guests as well right okay that makes sense uh this was pretty good so like i said this was included so 
we got our three courses if i remember correctly i mean the mains were i would say the highlight you had a burger and fries I and did. i had a sort of fishy fishy spaghetti dish and yeah it was it was a, it was nice to have a change i you know i'd had a lot of burgers on this trip and that was kind of the only reason i chose not to have one but looking at the burgers i i should have had a burger yeah so i had the uh the captain which was a steak burger uh, with roast beef, Irish cheddar, serrano ham, uh, tomatoes and a fried egg with barbecue garlic dip. Yeah, and they come up on like these wooden boards, very rustic. Yeah. And a uh, nice portion of chips as well. You can also, whilst the burgers come with chips, you could just kind of order portions of chips as kind of standalone items and they would come up in these like massive shovels and there were loads of options for sort of toppings and, you know, ways you wanted your, your chips or, or your fries, sorry. Uh, like probably more variety in terms of the chip offerings than just about anything else, burger, pasta, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I'm here for it. And, and again, like the theming in the restaurant was really on point. The staff were very much uh, in in character. I, I think the only downside as someone who's very socially awkward is that it is set up a little bit like a wagamama's. So people are familiar with those. So, you know, you'll be you'll be sat essentially on the same benches as, as other groups. Uh, the tables are pretty small. So, yeah, if that's something that bothers you particularly, it might be something to take into account. There are tables where that isn't the case, but I would imagine you just have to get there, make sure you get there a little bit earlier or, you know, if you turn up late, maybe you'll just get lucky. But yeah, that, that might be something to think about if you don't like that kind of dining experience. But the food was good. Uh, selection of drinks was, was pretty decent, we'll, although we'll get to a more extensive selection of drinks in just a moment. And uh, the desserts were good too. I had uh, I had Amelia's apple pudding, uh, which was a sort of warm bread pudding with a warm apple salad, almond cinnamon sauce, and vanilla ice cream. Mm. Uh, do you remember what you had, Josh? Yeah, I had Bessie's banana uh, banoffee cheesecake, uh, which is a fantastic toffee cheesecake with banana. Excellent, excellent. And again, all the menus uh, written as though they would be right at home in this in this cool steampunk world that we found ourselves in they spared no expense in terms of the immersion um it's all this stuff is is written in world so to speak and uh and it's great uh, i i was i was generally pretty impressed with mm. the quality of the food and that extended to the breakfast as well which is uh set up like a buffet uh, yep. so you know, all the options you could possibly want, to be honest with you. Loads of breads, uh, loads of cereals, loads of fruit. Yogurt. You cook stuff as well. Like, yeah. yeah, yogurts. Um, and of course, you've got your scrambled eggs, you've got your French toast, uh, you've got your sausages and bacon. Uh, uh, you know, buffets are dangerous, and... especially breakfast buffets. I went back a couple of times. Yeah. It's a bigger breakfast than I would ever normally have before a thing part day, but three course breakfast. When in Rookburg, when in Rookburg, you know, for sure. Uh, so that that was all good. Decent coffee, decent juices, uh, but Josh, uh, we need to talk about this oh, alcoholic God. concoction you had yeah. on the first night or the only night. 
in Rookburg. Uh, we, after dinner at the uh, restaurant Urwerk, we did pop into the bar. Yes. Uh, 1919. Yeah, it was one uh, of the uh, only nights where I wasn't driving uh, that evening. So oh, I yes. I was staying in the hotel, so... Uh, it was one of my one of my few nights where I could indulge in a in a beverage or two. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I still think somehow you may have regretted it. I, <laughs> maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, yeah, they did plenty of um, craft beers, beers on tap. Uh, they did like sort of beer selections that you could get, and they'd almost serve them up almost like they were on a shot rack, but just loads of different types of beers. They did do shots as well. Um, but really it was kind of the cocktails that were uh, the most extravagant stuff on the menu. Mm. And one in particular, I mean, I'm struggling to find a menu online. So unless you've got one, unfortunately, I won't be able to name it um, and work out what was in there in particular. But it was in one of these kind of big sharing bowls. At least they're meant to be shared. Yeah, it's like a goldfish uh, bowl uh, that you might see. That, that's right. Uh, they make reference to goldfish bowls in the first Inbetweeners movie. Oh, of course. Uh, I mean, I don't remember what what alcohol was in yours, no. but there were there were a bunch of sweets sticking out the top of it. Like these are very photogenic. They're kind of like made, I'm sure, with Instagram and social media in mind. But yeah, so is uh, I mean, it, it did a it number like a, on you, Josh. It was like a very. It was a watermelon. It was a melon flavored drink. Uh, but it was very sharp, uh, very alcoholic. Um, there were Haribo cherries in there. There was uh, marshmallow flumps hanging out of it. There was uh, heart-shaped lollipops as well. Uh, they did the whole gimmick where it, uh, the smoke poured out the top and down the sides of the bowl. Uh, it was incredible looking, and I think, uh, you know, if there was two people going at it, it would have been acceptable. But uh, I, I felt like I made a good go, but I had a lot of food during the day, uh, and especially that evening. Uh, a couple of beers in, uh, maybe it wasn't the wisest choice to go for a, a no, bowl may- for more than t- for, for two people. But here I am. No, maybe not. Well, I'm delighted to say actually that there is video evidence of you. Uh, seemingly quite tipsy, I would suggest, uh, if I may be so bold. I did an Instagram live. Yes. Uh, after we'd finished in the bar, because the the cool thing about staying on site is that after the park is shut uh, and whatever else, you can just freely walk around Rookburg as a as a member of the Explorers Society. Obviously, the shops are closed by now, and the restaurant will be shutting up, and you know there's not necessarily a ton to do. But it's just kind of cool to be able to walk around and see the park in a way that, you know, you would never otherwise be able to see it. And it's all lit up beautifully. And again, there's some good photo opportunities. And it's just a cool thing to kind of have on your sort of thing park. I've done that list. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's, it's just cool to walk around. I don't so know how cool. much of it you remember, Josh. Uh, luckily, uh, like you say, you've got the Instagram live. Uh, there's, it's also in vlog form. So, uh, I've been able to relive it. <laughs> yes. Yes, again, you know, not just for the experience of the hotel is the vlog an absolute must watch. Yeah. Uh, if you're not following us on Instagram, then it's worth it just for that. 
although there is a link to that particular archive of, of the live stream on one of the Twitter threads, which, as I said, is in the show notes. So do go and have a look at that. I had a couple of drinks in the bar, but the one that stands out to me that I have now remembered is is the Cookie Colada. Oh, yes. Which kind of a... a, a, a well, it's, it's, it is what it sounds like. It's if ostensibly like kind of a pina colada, but made with sort of cookies. And it... I mean, look, if you told me it was a milkshake, like an Oreo milkshake or a cookie dough milkshake or something like that, I absolutely believed you and could quite easily have just, you know, kept on making my way through an absolute load of those and probably ended up very worse for wear indeed. But as you might imagine, some of these drinks were were quite expensive. So, um, you know... That's worth keeping in mind. It ain't cheap to get drunk in a theme park. I mean, it's barely, it's not really cheap to breathe in a theme park. So, no, uh, no surprise there. But, um, no, really good, really good. And again, you know, throughout all this, whether you're on fly going at breakneck speed, whether you're checking into your hotel, whether you're sitting on the loo, whether you're getting sloshed, whether you're having scrambled eggs you always feel like you're in this incredible steampunk world. Like the immersion, uh, the illusion is never really broken throughout. It's it's just a fantastic achievement, I think, of engineering, of sort of creative spirit and vision. Like I really can't speak highly enough of Rookberg. Like there were other things about Fantasialand where maybe it, it feels slightly dated in some aspects. It feels perhaps not as well laid out. Like its location, its slightly odd location, as we talked about at the start, maybe works against it in certain aspects because it is built in such a sort of compact, condensed way. It, it's not perhaps as well laid out as a thing park with you know tens and tens of acres to work with like a like a big old disney park or something like that or even an alton towers or just the more kind of out of town thing parks that you might be used to yeah but we'll get to all that um next week rookberg specifically is just an absolute marvel and um you know i can't speak highly enough of it really it was absolutely brilliant really really great yeah uh i should say so we were there for the one night um, and that was uh, accommodation, breakfast, dinner, two days at the theme park, uh, £350 for the two of us. Yeah, which, you know, I I don't think is too bad. I, I feel pretty good about, about what we paid for it, to be honest. And, you know, relatively yeah. peak season, as you say, summer holidays in the local area. Weather was great. Uh, yeah, I was very, very glad to have done it. Uh, I you know I've, I really can't think of where I feel like I was let down in terms of value for money. I mean, like I say, uh, you know, beyond what was included, uh, you know, some of the prices for, for food and drink, I could see, you know, they're slightly north of some of the other parks we, we visited over the course of the road trip. But look, if you're, um, if you're trained to cope with the kind of prices at the parks that, that, you know, we've talked about in other parts of the world, then I don't think it's anything that's going to sort of cause you massive strife, to be honest. Like generally I felt 
pretty good about what we paid for things in Fantasia Land, and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I would I would love to go back one day, and um, certainly if they end up kind of working on anything new moving forward, and you know, I would hope and and be very impressed too, though, if they were able to kind of keep to the standard that they've achieved with Rookberg on on any project that they that they work on moving forward because they've they've had they've set themselves a high new watermark i would say with what they've done there yeah it's going to be hard to uh compete with themselves there really with what they've done yeah absolutely but uh but really good and like i said earlier something to put on your bucket list if you are you know a roller coaster enthusiast a theme park enthusiast uh you know it's it's really great and the hotel like I think you can have a fantastic time in Rookburg and Fantasia Land more broadly if you're not staying on site. But there's no doubt that, yeah, that hotel experience is pretty unique. And uh, if you're at all intrigued, then, yeah, have a look at our vlogs. Uh, maybe get a better idea of, of if it's something that you could uh, you could put up with for a night or two. Because you know, those rooms are quite small. But for, for, as I say, a night or two, I think it's probably worth checking out. If you're someone who's listening to this podcast, you'd probably think it's pretty cool. Yeah. For sure. And there's a lot more cool Fantasialand stuff to talk about, but we'll get to that next week. We'll talk about all the non-Rookberg stuff in this fine, fine thing park. To make sure you don't miss it, do subscribe if you haven't already, wherever you get your podcasts and if you want to keep up with park rush elsewhere the best place to go is links.parkrush.com that's where you can find all the socials and the youtube channel etc so do go and check that out as well and if you want to get in touch if you have any questions about the experience uh, at the hotel specifically uh, then do get in touch by email it's podcast at parkrush.com Thank you very much for listening. Of course, we'll be back next week with more from Fantasialand. Until then, Auf Wiedersehen, explorers. Tschüss.